Like some people just like, I I mean, they're just like, I want to put a black person in this game, and uh, I want to make this person black. And you're just like, why? And then if you're like, oh well, because I think that they'll do something for the story. It's like, well, then maybe you should actually like not try to do it from your own point of view, but try to do it. Try to do some research. I don't know. I mean, I think aren't those like the best characters, the ones that like you can sort of like live with. uncomfortable conversations we're having as video games kind of start to mature and grow up and that happens and manifests in terms of how games represent gender how they represent race Uh, and so I had a really fascinating conversation recently with designer Sean Alexander Allen who is working on uh, a game called Treachery and Beatdown City coming to PlayStation Mobile uh, hopefully the next uh, month or so uh, in which he has designed a 2D beat-em-up RPG it's a real mixture of things a game that speaks authentically through Sean's real-life experiences growing up in New York that infuses it with his own perspective on gender, sex, race, politics, a whole mixture of things, uh, but also in a very familiar game format. And uh, we had a a really interesting conversation that talked about how he arrived at that, how he writes these kinds of characters, and whether there are any sort of lessons that can be uh, learned more generally for how the industry might approach having a more diverse set of characters uh, in the future. So... Why don't I throw it over to our uh, conversation? Why don't you kind of give me a little bit of the sort of the elevator pitch on on what you talked about uh, at your Indicate talk? Because I had saw a lot of people tweeting about it, um, you know, talking about uh, race as it relates to games is not something I've explored a whole lot. And I know that's not explicitly what your talk was about, but it seemed like you touched on some of those subjects. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's something like I've. I still have an article that I'm writing for Unwinnable that deals with it a little bit. That's taken me months to actually do because it's very, you know, tricky to handle that situation. And I kind of submitted this talk idea to Indicate East earlier in the year, and it didn't. It got pushed back just because I think they didn't have space for it. And then it indicated they were like, "Yeah, go for it." So then, you know, then I had to take a month and try to actually write it, which took a really long time. Uh, and it was, you know, it's just as essentially that, like, I don't know, that, I mean, the talk had a lot to do with uh, how, it's it's always hard, because, I mean, I, I spent so while, and it was, like, a long talk. It was about, <laughs> it dealt with, um, like, well, one thing I wanted to bring up is just, like, all the different, you know, possible reasons why there aren't like minorities in games like why they aren't making tri- well first like why i didn't like because my thing was about how the, like black and latino cultures or urban ones rather could be like the next indie frontier and you know because working in AAA, you re- you start to realize that like you know AAA games aren't about any sort of real authenticity in all levels and like if you so what if you get like 30 black people on an animation staff like they're not going to change the game. Like, the game's still going to be, like, you know, an Ubisoft, like, you know, push through the mill, like, oh, we're not going to tackle anything serious. Like, Assassin's Creed is a simulation of something. It's not actually the Middle East. It's, it's like, 
like a video game within a video game of the Middle East. And so I was like, you know, so I think the only way to really, you know, influence change in the industry would be to go the independent route. And so, and you know, there's a lot of reasons, you know, there's like technology, there's, there's like lack of relatable successes that are in the industry. Uh, but you know, video games aren't, you know, a, they aren't, historically black and latino culture right i mean they came from like like the the industry that we have today came from japan in a lot of ways and the industry before that was like europe mostly right like it was like ocean and imagine and all these companies and you know activision in america were these companies that were and if you looked at like documentaries of these people they were like it was like white dudes in glasses making lots of money off of video games and then they showed like you if you watched like specials on nintendo it was show japanese people making cartridges for white kids to play at home like that they, they were the only people that they featured even in like a piece that was set in new york like a news special or something they were showing like white kids around a tv playing games so it just kind of felt like yeah you're doing this but you don't feel a part of it so it's like something that's like you become a consumer but then it's hard to figure out how to become a creator whereas you know like culturally like, like historically culture in this country has been dictated by those minorities right like like and then i i pretty much dove into how hip-hop came out of the 70s right out of having nothing in the bronx like in like one of the most diverse cities in the world black people made a culture that like helped like envelop like latino people and created this worldwide culture that dominates the world today right like it's like something that is everywhere like you and you can see it in like jet set radio that like hip-hop is still something that comes back and influences video games too as far as way as japan from new york so it's kind of like if that could happen what ha what would happen if we would try to you know encourage and foster this like other culture into helping independent games culture grow because you know indie games are they have cultural relevance, but they're still fairly niche. I still think new games in a lot of ways are something that not everybody's super educated about. Like, not everybody knows about it as, like, an art form like movies. Like, people know a lot about movies. They know about TV as entertainment. But video games are still something that people don't know a lot about outside of the circles. So it's, like, I think that... And, and it, I think the core thing was that we have a culture that dominates independent games right now. Uh, and if we could just expand that culture by adding more cultural influences, that would make everything better. So have you, you know, is, is some of your feelings on this informed by, you know, you playing games over the years and, and you getting older and not being able to identify as much with what's reflected in sort of traditional game design, you know, as you kind of talked about, you know, something like an Assassin's Creed, like, is that informed by, by some of your background and just being like, I want to see more of this because I don't, I don't see a lot that I can identify with? For me, it's, it's kind of weird because, I mean, like, like I'm, you know, mixed, right? Like, my mom's white. I was raised by her. And my identity's always been kind of, I've always been, I don't know, like, as a kid, I've always been a very pragmatic individual, so race is something that I always try to avoid personally, but it's something that always gets kind of thrown back in my face. I feel like sometimes, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's like, I, I'm someone who likes history. I like reality and things. 
And I feel like if people were to like, uh, like I'm one thing I'm definitely kind of tired of is like anytime anyone ever says there's not enough black people and like protagonists or whatever in games, people are like, oh, here's the same t- list of twenty people that are in video games, and then they like, and then when someone says, well, Barrett's not a good example, you're like, yeah, I, I know that. I know the whole story about what Square Enix did <laughs> years ago. Like I was talking with um Evan Narcis about this. I was like, like the fact that Barrett was written to be stupid and that he was poorly translated still means he was written to be a stupid black guy in the first place, right? Like, right. even if he was mistranslated, it was still, like, he's the black guy, so he's the butt of all the jokes. So, like, Japanese culture was d- doing with all this. And, you know, I've, I've played a few games over the years. It's it's funny because you start to find... I don't know, like, like last year we had, you know, Lee Everett, right? And people keep making a big deal about how he's not like the typical like badly written black guy in games and how he was just a character in the game and it was like yeah but that's 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 the very one of the very reasons i believe people liked the game a lot because they were like hey we can kind of talk about this and say hey he's a positive like black guy who also still ends up being you know the classic like criminal guy who may have killed somebody despite being a fairly affable individual who's smart like it's kind of like that like boondocks thing where they talk about how like how smart you are when you can speak well like because a black person if they can speak well they're smart like you're surprised by this so i felt like lee everett like surprised people that someone could actually take time to write a normal person who also happens to be black well, I, I think certainly when I talk to uh, some game designers and writers, you know, one of the things they there, there's probably some at least I've heard, you know, some pause over like, you know, how can you write some of these characters if you, you know, if you don't know their life story? Like, you know, how do you how does a white person write a black character? You know, obviously there are some some definitely some big challenges just in terms of diversity of, you know, people being in positions of power to make these decisions. But I wonder I wonder how much you think. You know, just sort of a fear of writing the unknown sort of prevents people from from doing more of that. I mean, like, uh, it's a kind of a bit of a question. That's a question I got to indicate too, because a guy was asking me like, "How does a white man write a a young like a little black girl?" I was just like, you know, you you just got to become informed, right? Like, you know, you got to be around it in some way. Like, I mean. Like a show like like Living Single or um, Different World, like these are shows that are pretty much all black casts, but they're all the people are just people, right? They're all varying different types of stereotypes in within, you know, they're just just all happen to be black also, but it's because it's like, you know, this is like these people's realities that were writing this thing. They were around a lot of different people and they chose to include a lot of different people in their games. Like, you know, um, like, in my game, like, I'm including, like, you know, a Jamaican protagonist who's based on one of my best friends. Like, like he has ideas, like, he has weird ideas of grandeur about, like, being kind of like this, like, liking Jeet Kune Do type. Because I had a friend who I used to work with at GameStop who was, would brag about how he could do a dragon kick. And he would talk about doing backyard wrestling and like Kapoera and how he was like, tra- how one of his teachers was in Angbok too or whatever. And it was like, okay. So I just kind of took that and I was like, let me 
you know, I can make a grander character out of it, but it's like, this is a character, this is a person I know. Like, so it's like, you know, it's, 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 I think it's fine to try to write about things, but I think if you want to write about something, then you, you, A, have to be, you have to be very careful with it, right? Because it's like, you, why, why are you, like, I think one of the best things to ask is why are you including these characters in the first place, especially if you don't know anything about these people? Like, some people just like, I, I mean, they're just like, I want to put a black person in this game, and uh, I want to make this person black, and you're just like, why? And then if you're like, oh, well, because I think that they'll do something for the story, it's like, well, then maybe you should actually, like, not try to do it from your own point of view, but try to do it, try to do some research. I don't know. I mean, I think, aren't those, like, the best characters, the ones that, like, you can sort of, like, live with? Like, unless you're trying to make, like, you know, Mario being Italian in Super Mario Brothers doesn't matter, right? Like, he's not, like, a character that was characterized back in, in, uh... Super Mario Brothers, and he, you know, has turned into, like, this massive cartoonish character that could be deemed very offensive by a lot of people. <laughs> one, one of our, one of our, our video guys, Vinny, uh, constantly points that out when we're at E3 and you have, you know, you know, the, this Mario character on stage, like, doing all these voices and stuff like that. Like, if you were to do that for any other culture, <laughs> you would have people banging down the doors yeah. with the pitchforks, and rightfully so. But yeah. somehow, in some way, like, Mario has gotten this pass on, you know, it's not, maybe it's just because it's accepted, but it, it is, it is you know, this really, it's a huge stereotype, but it's sort yeah. of one that people kind of have look past because, you know, it's sort of affable and funny as opposed to, uh, you know, it doesn't come across as something that's trying to be intentionally, you know, dismissive of, of a culture. But, yeah, like... Absolutely. I mean, it, that's that's our history's that's our culture. That's our country's history, right? Like it's like we like Looney Tunes were some of the most they were like Looney Tunes were it's it's funny because if you look at, you know, the history of media in this country, it was like Looney Tunes they were created like a lot of our cartoons Looney Tunes were created in a vacuum with dudes in a room, right? Like who would just make fun of the South, they would make fun of, like, Native Americans, they'd make fun of Chinese people, they'd make fun of Mexicans, they'd make fun of everybody, and that was all just fine, right? Like, they were like, oh, lazy Mexican mouse, okay, you're a character now. Oh, fast, hardworking mouse, Mexican mouse, you're another character. Like, you know, the Tar Baby, all that stuff, like, these were, like, I had that book when I was a kid, and it was like, you know, Mammy is like a thing that, like, you know, white people invented that, right? Like, black people didn't say, hey, we're going to come together and make a terrible stereotype for our people. So, I mean, and that was what marketing was, right? Like, they sold fat black lady as, like, this this symbol in this country. And so it's like people don't seem to want to pay attention to the history of this country and that, like, we've had to move past that in the future. Like, you know, um, but then, like, you know, still, like, a guy like Seth MacFarlane kind of somehow gets away with that. I was thinking about, actually, today, for some reason... I was just thinking about, like, I, I loved Family Guy for a really long time, but then the more you start to think about it, you're just like, does Seth MacFarlane just have, like, a really big problem with, like, minority people? Like, because he just seems like he wants to make fun of, like, black women all the time. And then he makes a show called The Cleveland Show. Like, that's a, that's, this is actually a really good, like, corollary for all that. It's like, it's this team of people who are making a show about, you know, a white guy from Rhode Island, and then all of a sudden they make a black TV show that somehow hasn't been, like, burned to the ground by, like, people, like, and it's, like, 
why are you making a show with all these characters like that are like you're enforcing stereotypes you're creating all these different things and somehow it's being accepted in our culture and it's like that's I felt I found the Cleveland show to be like really problematic even as someone who was like oh you know Sadler Farley makes fun of everybody and it's like no now he's just making fun of black people for whatever reason it was very very weird thing to me as someone who really liked that like cartoon show sure I, I think one of the things that you know I hear a lot from from my readers uh, there is there is certainly uh, an analogy to be there's some similar uh, conversations happening, you know, when you talk about representation of of women in games, uh, similar to talking about minorities. And one of the things that comes up when you know I've talked to my audience about this is one of the first things you hear is, "Well, you know, I don't want the PC police to make it so that you know creators don't make the games or the characters they want to, and feel like they need to uh, create certain types of characters so that you know we can." fill a certain quota so that we can say there are more, you know, women main characters or black main characters and that, that, you know, people demanding more of this means that creators are going to somehow compromise themselves in pursuit of, uh, you know, fulfilling this sort of like PC mentality. I'm, I'm curious what you, what you make of that, given that I, I, I hear that pretty much all the, that's one of the first things I hear as soon as these conversations come up. Uh, I think it's it's tricky. I mean, like if you're if you're being well, well, I mean, in video games, we don't actually have much creative character design, right? Like, I mean, Marcus Phoenix, he's not creative. Coltrane is is Terry Tate, office linebacker, turned into a character <laughs> in a game. Like he's he's the actor doing his exact same role, but in a video game. It's like I don't know. I, I've, I've I don't know. There's so many people who like who hold video game creative as like something that's like brilliant, and it's like you know the most brilliant stuff in video games are like Mario fighting turtles in an alternate dimension, right? Like it's not like like Gears of War, like all these like Halo, like all these things are really kind of. I don't know, they're all really badly written, like, and it's like, people are like, I, like, you're gonna start forcing creativity, and, like, people actually think about real things, and I don't want that, and it's like, like, I don't know, maybe if people took a little bit more time about thinking about their stories in general, they'd be way better, and it's like, like, what if you, I, like, I, I, I've been talking about recently how it's like, you know, we have this, you know, this film worship going on in our industry, but it's like, we haven't even gotten to a point, like, where our game, uh, like our game writing still not at like black exploitation level like you know bad movies <laughs> are still better than good like great game narrative i think for the most part so it's like you know taking time to think about like hey let's i, I just think like everyone needs to think about more nuanced storytelling in video games in general and i think everything would come from that in another way like and it's like and that's another reason why i think we need i don't know like, when I hear, like, Ubisoft has, like, a whole studio writing stories separate from the game co-creators, I just, like, cringe because I'm just, like, you don't even write that great, like, mythology as it is. So now you're getting a giant studio that's getting paid all this money to be separate from the games. It's I feel like everything's just kind of going in this weird direction. And it's, like, I don't know, game stories are a problem in and of itself. I don't think, 
like injecting minorities into it, I don't think you should just actively go about doing that. But, you know, like for me, like my characters, uh, you know, I had to take a, I had to take a step back and I had to say like, you know, I want to break the mold. So how do I do that? And it's like, you know, well, I'm going to focus more on a female protagonist. I'm going to have a third female protagonist, like protagonist in my game. Who's female. Who's, you know, Puerto Rican, who's, I'm going to give that over to my wife, who's like an amazing artist. I'm going to have her design her and give, and, you know, give me feedback on all the sensibilities behind that. And I'm going to, you know, talk to friends who are familiar with like when I want to write her, like, it's like, I'm not going to try to do all that from myself because it's like, I don't necessarily know how a Puerto Rican lady would react in a situation, right? Like I might know my friend who's like a Jamaican dude, like I know him very well, but it's like, I'll, I'll, but then that's the thing. I know him, so I can include somebody like him. I know I have my wife. I have my wife's best friend who like my character will be kind of based on both of them. I, I have like an old, uh, Cuban, uh, like this Cuban guy who used to be my boss. I'm going to be basing a character a little bit, you know, on like the older, like, like generation of like Latin Americans in this country. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm trying to hold off of my personal experience on a pretty, like on an action game, these characters that don't actually have to be as nuanced as whatever, but I just think it helps grow everything on that level. And it's like, if people keep throwing out the, the race situation, it's just like, well, your stories aren't that good anyway. So it's like, what if they just thought about it a little more? Maybe things would be better on all levels. Like, don't shoehorn anything in. Maybe try to put effort to put more in. I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely seems like a sort of a through line of what you're talking about and what relates to to the talk you gave at IndieCade is that you know, when you talk about, you know, so urban black and Latino culture possibly being a new frontier is that maybe the way that we find more diverse storytelling and more diverse characters is by having a, a more diverse set of people creating these games. And and yeah. then it would feel less about uh, shoehorning and it probably would make people feel a little bit more comfortable with, you know, if there was more diversity because, you know, you're pulling directly from, you know, firsthand experiences to write these characters, to include yeah. these characters and that allows you to to write in a really authentic way that isn't like, well, you know, not it's not just like I want to be more diverse. It's like, well, I want to write authenticity and you write authenticity based on what you know. Well, there's a movie Wild Style that's about uh, graffiti culture in like hip hop culture in general in New York, right? In the 70s. It was made by a white guy. But what did he do? He went and he, you know, they're living in it's in this movie called uh well, Wild Style is its own movie, but then they talk about it in this movie, uh, Blank City. And that's about, like, filmmakers in New York in the 70s, like James Jarmusch and a lot of those guys, like, and Basquiat and all those people in this small little group. And it was a white guy who, you know, isn't actively a part of hip-hop, but he wanted to bring this, like, because it was this thing that was springing up in the city. So what did he do? He went to these communities. He went to like parties he went to places where they were he starred graffiti artists as the actors in it fab five freddy's in it as an actor but he's also playing you know a rapper so it's like they made a story about this scene in new york to show this to more people and involved the entire community like you know chico who's still like a pretty big graffiti artist or the guy quinones who starred in it he's still a big graffiti artist fab five freddy's 
one of like was name checked in you know the you know Rapture right like uh as in the first like rap video played on VH1 was like Blondie but still like it's like so he tried to actually reach into the culture and talk to these people and say hey I want you to be in this movie he didn't say I'm gonna make some fake like documentary about you I'm gonna make a movie that involves all of you and your creative influences because like imagine if he would have just made that with his crew of people like that that weren't the people creating this stuff like it wouldn't have been like the thing that it is like it just had a 30th anniversary they had a concert series in new york like would it be the cultural like like footnote if it was like not genuine so it's like it wasn't even his culture per se he was just around it enough to know that it was important and he wanted to do something with it so he you know, reached out and hung out with people and spent a long time. So, uh, can you talk a little bit about your about your game? I, we've gotten pretty far in without uh, actually mentioning cool. what the what the game is. Why don't want you uh, sort of break down for people what you're working on? Okay, so um, my game is called Treachery and Beatdown City. It's a side-scrolling 2D brawler with turn-based elements to it. Um, so it's like it uses a menu to pick moves from. Instead of having to try to learn your own moves, you can uh, uh, just go onto a menu and build combos from the menu. You can also attack in real time against people, you know, break open boxes and stuff. But a lot of it, like the whole beginning of the game at least, is in, you know, a parody of New York called East Fulton. And, uh, you know, the president who's, you know, based on our current president, was uh, kidnapped. Um, and you have to, and you're, you're uh, you start off as Lisa. She's Puerto Rican lady I was talking about. She's designed by my wife. And she's like the medium character. She's got a mix of MMA and boxing. So she's got a bit of grapples, a bit of, a bit of strikes. And you walk, you go through the city and you end up interacting with enemies that a lot of them are built off of, uh, stereotypes in and of themselves that are like people that I've seen, you know, growing up in New York for the last 30 years. Like, you know, the, like, one of them is called the uh, CT Punk. He's based on, you know, the Connecticut, like, the, the, the myth of the Connecticut punk who comes, you know, trust fund baby who <laughs> wants to hang out in New York. Like, so, you know, be having, like, and these are things that people say, like, they say, like, having a home isn't punk. So they become purposely homeless with a $500 leather jacket that they bought from, like, vaudeville goth. And then they, with, like, you know, $10 a stud pounded into it, that were they just bought it that way with, like, you know, $200 worth of beeswax in their hair to make it, like, <laughs> a spiky mohawk. And then they're sitting there asking you for money for their dog so that their dog can eat. And it's just like, come on, dude, you got, like, $700 worth of stuff on, like... Like, why do you have a dog if you're homeless also? Like, so it's just, <laughs> so, and, and the, this character's kind of like, you know, kind of a chicken shit, kind of kicks dirt in your face. Like, that's, like, he's kind of like the Pidgey of the game. He tries to lower your evade. So it brings in, you know, the RPG element of it that it's not just pounding on things. There's status effects. So he lowers your accuracy. So the only way to really deal with him is to grab him and punch him in the face. Um, there's a guy, Ugly John, that is based off a guy I was just walking down the street and I saw him and he was this really ugly dude standing outside of a bar 
and he had this giant belt buckle on with like a cut off a cut off t-shirt he just like seemed like he just thought he was like the cock of the walk and i thought when i saw him i was like man that guy likes like an ugly version of john lennon so <laughs> i kind of merged the two characters so he's wearing you know cut off shirt uh kind of has but i gave him the long hair that like john lennon has and he's kind of just you know your average bar hopper uh just kind of a really ugly looking dude uh looks like he has like balls for forehead like his just the divots in his eyebrows just are so pronounced and he's just you know your average guy who just tries to fight you um I've got like you know halal carts in my game so that you can heal it's kind of like kind of just you know trying to create something that's very personal to me it's in a very personal space but also deals with you know like the issues i have with gentrification in the city or you know entitlement on the streets um some of the tutorial dialogue uh i actually one time was almost almost got into a fight with a few people on the street because they were blocking the street and i was just trying to get home and they didn't like that so they started a fight they tried to fight with me and a woman told me she like for some reason ran up to me and said to give her a dollar and i got and i don't know it was really weird it was very like kind of like why are you getting in my face and then demanding money from me miss i'm standing outside of a bar on your street so it's kind of a weird altercation so that's that's going in the game <laughs> uh you know it's kind of like my frustrations with the city that i grew up in but also dealing with you know the ideas of like like the mayor our billionaire mayor is, you know, basis of the mayor in the game, and he's, uh, he won't let the police department uh, investigate uh, the president's disappearance unless the federal government gives the, him dollars. So that's there. That's why you're investigating, because you know those games always never really dealt with why two dudes in tank tops were the ones having to save the president, right? Like why wouldn't right. the FBI go save the president? So in this, it's kind of like, well, you, you, the you're the the first character you use is the daughter of a police chief, and you have to who are his friends and to go save it because the the mayor is essentially forcing it so because he doesn't he doesn't want to expend city resources trying to save you know a president because why why should he right like it just reminds me of like stuff that goes on in the city all the time. So when can when can people actually uh, play the game? I know you've been working on it for for a little while now. What where where are you at in development? Yeah, it's been a it's been a year. We've been working on a uh, the PlayStation Mobile platform. Actually, like a last year, I um demoed it to my friend Shane at uh, Sony for uh, on in a in Game Maker, and then we kind of transferred it over to PlayStation Mobile. So we're right now we're we're trying to get this submitted within the next month to Sony. Oh, it's, wow. Okay, I didn't yeah, realize it was that it's, close. It's episode one because okay. of just the way that it's been like only a year. So, you know, we're, we're definitely looking at like where we're going to go after that. But right now we're just trying to focus on finishing the first episode, which is actually, it's fairly sizable like chunk of game in and of itself. Like I want to, it's going to have a nice progression of story and it's going to end on a bit of a cliffhanger. So, yeah, it's like I'm 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 
I'm super all about like, you know, getting down on really interesting narrative, kind of trying to mix, you know, the often dumb comedy, the like dumb action stuff from the eighties with kind of like, you know, more biting, dark political stuff. That's still pretty funny today. So, because it's like, I know, I don't know, like, I don't know how anyone could grow up in New York from like, you know, I grew up like on public assistance in New York. Like that's, that's a really rough way to live. And I don't know how anyone could grow up with that without actually having like a really big sense of humor about it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those interesting things. So it's like, I, I have to kind of just laugh at a lot of these things. So that's part of where it's like a lot of parody. It's a lot of, um, just reaction and it's like rather than just be angry at everything you just kind of gotta laugh sometimes so so having you know done your talk and then you know maybe getting some feedback getting some doing some q a you know you did a lot of research like are you are you positive about the next couple of years like do you think that there is a lot of promise in the next couple of years that we might you know either see more diversity or that there'll be more opportunities for sort of more people of diverse backgrounds to be empowered to sort of share their stories through games? Like, do you, do you have a positive outlook of the next couple of years? Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I've been meeting a lot of people over the last year, which was really good. The fact that um, my talk at IndieCade started with just a few people that I knew um, and then grew to be completely packed by the end of it. Like, uh, was really, you know, heartening. The fact that, you know, it pretty much, the the, the idea of the talk spread throughout Indicate and people, like, you know, that I knew were just, like, like very well, people that I respect that are well-respected in the community were like, wow, I wish I would have been there. People are inviting me to talk other places. I'm really hoping that, you know, I submitted my talk to the Indie Game Summit. I'm really hoping that that, you know, that they take that up on it because I think that, you know, it needs to go other places. And, you know, I think the message needs to keep... I think advocacy is something that needs to, like, not go away. Like, I think it's really important to keep talking about the lack of women in the industry. But I also think it's like, like, race is this weird nebulous thing that people... Like, the amount of vitriolic hatred that comes out every time someone talks about women being, like, more present in the game or better representations of women in the industry... Every time that that happens, I feel like that makes everyone who's like a minority who also might be a woman like it makes them cringe like triple time. Like, I mean, my wife is Puerto Rican. She gets mistaken as the help, like because she's dark skinned and, you know, long black hair. So it's kind of like on a deeper level for like her. It's so it's like, you know, race is something that like people don't want to talk about. Like they'll talk about gender because gender is like often something that you can see. Mm hmm. Um, but like race is something that people, I, I don't know, kind of ignore and we're still like tackling, like tackling with. So it's like, I feel like it's got something that we got to keep talking about. I'm also, um, working with besides a few people who want me to come talk to, uh, at their conferences. Um, I, at IndieKid, I announced that I'm working on this thing called, it's, it's like an initiative called, uh, you can make games too. And it's um, trying to figure out a way to allow game developers of all sizes, like, you know, AAA, indie, to be able to spread this message through their games. Like, maybe through, like, a title card or something that's, like, you know, kind of like the winners don't use drugs type thing, where it's kind of like this message that says, 
you know, you boot up a game and it's like, bam, like, here's this, here's a website that you can go to, uh, you know, Mr. Consumer who maybe doesn't know about any of that stuff and that that can be a way to get to as many people as possible. Um, so I'm very optimistic because I feel like, I feel like it's an idea that, you know, I, I thought it was really, it was really great that IndieCade let me, you know, come and talk about it. And the fact that it seemed to be something that very, everybody was very positive of and that people want, you know, people want me to keep talking about. And I think that will empower more people to think about it and to maybe, you know, bring up and start talking about themselves. Um, I think that will in change, even if, you know, the amount of people that are working on things aren't like, I'm, I'm actually trying to, I'm actually going out on like Twitter. And like, if I see someone, it's like, Oh, you're a Hispanic dude writing for, you know, your own game site. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to try to see what you're doing. And, you know, if you ever need help, I'll, I'll try to reach out or something, you know, just to give some sort of, uh, give some sort of, you know, moral support. Also, I mean, you know, I think it's it's super important on all levels. Like, I feel like, you know, like, I don't think, because, like, the idea is, I think, empowerment of everybody. Like, I think, you know, class also plays a lot into it also. Like, I mean, you know, I grew up, you know, with a poor white lady as a mom. So it's like, you know, I dealt with the race stuff, but my mom also dealt with the race stuff and the, you know, just because knowing that she had a kid. Like, my mom grew up, my mom moved to New York and she was the only white lady in uh, the East Village block that she lived on so everyone thought she was a cop because it was primarily <laughs> like puerto rican dominican and mexican people that lived on that street so and my mom's also been uh it's kind of interesting like you know new york has disproportionately a large amount of uh civil service jobs all are black and latino held and so when my mom would go for you know benefits like and my mom my mom is uh clinically depressed so she's handicapped technically and but she didn't really know this for a really long time in her life and until like until I was about 14 so whenever she would go she would always get like that treatment that you know they like it was, she would get kind of like the treatment like well why are you here like you're a white lady like why can't you get a job like are you lazy like are you on drugs like kind of like like well, your kid doesn't look like you like what's up with all this stuff so you know I'm definitely sensitive on that level too, that, you know, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a race struggle, but it's also like a class struggle. It's a lot of struggles that are going on. And it's just like, because it's, it's really weird. Like being an indie game designer still kind of means in a lot of ways you have to find money to be able to make a game or you have to take like, you know, the next five or six years of your life working small amounts of hours or living with your parents or whatever to do it. But what if you don't have that? Like I, I've had to work, I had to work and go to school full time both. So I was working as a GameStop manager while going to school like part time for computer art. But that meant I had to do like about 40 hours of work per week at least for my classes. So it was like, you know, that was like a struggle. Like I did. That's why I felt like I couldn't make games back then. So I feel like, you know, it's all about trying to empower as many people who are interested in doing it as possible. Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time to, to chat with me, and I think it's the, the conversations that maybe make everyone a little feel a little uncomfortable are, are the ones that we probably should be having uh, more often because there's there's a reason we feel uncomfortable. So um, I appreciate you taking, uh, taking some time to chat with me. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you for reaching out.